0: Welcome to the 128th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will talk in-depth about college basketball action, including taking a look at how the NCAA tournament bubble is as it stands right now as we record this podcast. So let's start by jumping right in with a look back at college basketball action from the last week, starting with the upsets. Patrick?
1: Well, North Carolina beat number four, Duke, 94-81. to 81 in Coach K's final regular season game. Uh, well documented, obviously. Uh, it was a big event, but uh, it was uh, it was disrupted by the Tar Heels. Uh, they did a very good job of, spo- well, talking about playing spoiler, and actually, you know, we talk about playing spoiler, I should say, in sports a lot, but North Carolina wasn't just playing spoiler in this game. They were also guaranteeing a spot in the NCAA tournament with this big win, and uh, they got it. I mean, I said it on the podcast that, they needed to win against Duke, which is the easier said than done, but easiest path. Uh, or they could win a few games in the ACC tournament, and well, they chose the, uh, the easiest path, the one-win path. That was beating Duke. Obviously, harder to get that win than maybe two wins, arguably, in the ACC tournament. But they did end up getting that one win against Duke, and that pretty much guaranteed them for the NCAA tournament. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, I think, on Monday when we also looked at the bubble a little bit. So the, we, we have talked about this before and uh, where they stand now. However, let's move on from that. Oklahoma State, ineligible for the tournament, beat number 12, Texas Tech, 52-51. to Texas Tech has had some recent slip-ups. I think uh, we're seeing right now uh, what's going on with them in the Big 12 tournament, and uh, we'll see if they can pull this game out against Oklahoma. I will say today we, obviously because of how many games are on, uh, we will be actually talking up to literally the second we are recording this, uh, including games that are currently on as we speak. Um, but normally, obviously we don't do the Friday games, but I mean, there's normally nothing in on, on Friday anyway, to be quite honest. Uh, but yeah, I'll say that and say, well, we're watching Texas Tech right now, but let's move on to a team who, uh, didn't help their tournament case later on in the week, but Start talking about them now. Michigan, without Hunter Dickinson, on the road, beat number 23 Ohio State, 75-69. I said it then that one more win in the regular season would guarantee it, or a win over Indiana would guarantee it, but maybe to a lesser extent, barring some crazy stuff happening. Well, if you've been following college basketball, there has been some crazy stuff happening. It might not be crazy enough. <laughs> Uh, to knock Michigan out of the tournament, and we'll talk about why they're even—that's still even in the conversation in a little bit. Uh, but this win pretty much did guarantee that, despite craziness happening, and uh, well, we'll talk about the craziness later. But a big win for Michigan. Uh, moving on to a big win for well, a big win, but one that doesn't really matter for the team who won the game. Nebraska beat number ten Wisconsin, seventy-four to seventy-three on the road. Wisconsin with a win in this game. Won a won the Big Ten title outright, but instead they lose to Nebraska and give Illinois the opportunity to seal that title on Sunday, or actually you no, know, later that day uh, with the win over Iowa. We'll talk about what happened in that later. Uh, but I mean, I don't know how you lose to Nebraska. I, I'm going to be quite honest.
0: You're overrated, and your luck runs out for once.
1: Or you lose your best player in the second half for a little bit. But True. that too. But that too. but the bank wasn't open. But before er- before everyone goes crazy about the fact that Johnny Davis wasn't there in the second half, keep in mind that Bryce McGowan's, who's Nebraska's only no, I mean I don't want to be rude to Nebraska, but look at the record. It's obvious that they don't have the greatest players. Bryce McGowan's is the only player on Nebraska's entire team that made anything. Uh, on the awards team, he's the only guy to make All Freshman team. He, I think he, no, he didn't win Freshman of the Year, but he was probably second in that voting. Uh, I think he was on All Big Ten third team. I think maybe not. But Bryce McGowan's is Nebraska's best player. He did not play in the second half. He didn't play in the whole game. So before we start making excuses for Wisconsin, who's a top ten team, let's not make excuses for a top ten team losing against the worst team in their conference when the worst team in their conference had their best player out. And by the way. On the play that Johnny Davis got injured, Bryce McGowan's brother, Trey McGowan's also got ejected for a foul uh, that he committed, and then I think another player was ejected later in the game because the refs were a little bit soft about how bad their officiating was and being told that it was bad, uh, so overall, you're just looking at, really, I mean, it's just a bad loss. I think you can't really say anything else about it, so I'll move on from it now. It's talking about a good win rather than a bad loss. Memphis beat number 14, Houston, 75-61. This team is on fire. Uh, I don't. I could name many teams that could beat them, but in their seed range and teams that were on the bubble two weeks ago, none of those teams could beat Memphis the way that they're playing right now. They are a, a cut above the teams that are still hoping to get into the NCAA tournament, and frankly. They're above even the people kind of in their world of North Carolina and Miami, kind of that that stretch of teams. Maybe not Creighton after what they did earlier today, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, for now, I don't see many teams beating Memphis. But let's move on from Memphis. Let's start with the beginning, the precursor to the NCAA tournament, to March Madness itself, the early March Madness, the ACC tournament, Boston College beat Wake Forest, 82 to 77 in overtime I said all Wake Forest needed to do to be in the tournament was not lose to Wake Forest or Boston Co- or not lose to Boston College or Pitt. Well they did so uh, now you're looking at them not being so guaranteed and uh, depending on what happens in the ACC championship game which we'll talk about later uh, you might be looking at Wake Forest losing their spot not only in general but also to a fellow ACC opponent that and again we'll get to that later. Uh, and then another team who I said, all they needed to do was just avoid losing to Butler. Xavier lost to Butler 89 to 80, 89 to 82 in overtime. Uh, and, and basically at this point we'll get to it later, but these are the two teams whose spots are up for grabs now in terms of bid stealers and in terms of teams just playing well and even just making the ACC tournament final. I mean, or making the big 12 tournament final. If you're Oklahoma, uh, if you're obviously I'm talking about, uh, Virginia tech there and, uh. Well, this just in—they did just make the final, so that's going to be an interesting conversation that we'll figure out later. Uh, But other than that, Oklahoma beat number three Baylor, seventy-two to sixty-seven. That was a crazy upset. That really put Oklahoma back on the bubble. They were not necessarily on it. I mean, they were right off of it. I was considering putting them there instead of Texas A&M the last time I made my bracket on Tuesday, but didn't make it then maybe made it now not well they are on it now not above texas a&m though because of what a&m has done which uh we'll get to in a second but then you have tcu who beat number 22 texas 66 to or sorry 65 to 60 not important for the bubble but very very important for seeding uh gives texas zero chance of getting a four a top four seed uh there'll be a five or a six for sure now uh, and then you also have TCU probably moving up into the eight or seven range. I'd say probably an, an eight now, uh, maybe a, a, a low, low seven, uh, but it depends on what happens in other games. And obviously their loss to Kansas today doesn't help that. And we'll talk about that later. But I said, we'll talk about Texas A&M. Let's talk about Texas A&M. Texas A&M beat number four, Auburn, 67 to 62. This after beating Florida, I said they needed to beat Florida and then beat Auburn and then maybe even maybe even beat LSU or Arkansas at least. Well, we'll see if they can do that. But they already completed the first two steps of the puzzle. And again, I said they were going to need some help. They're not getting the help from other teams, uh, so they probably will need that final win over LSU or Arkansas to really push them over into the field. Uh, and then I think they could lose in the finals and still make it in. Uh, but overall, it's going to be a tight. It's going to be a tight ending for them, and we'll see if they will or if they won't make the tournament. Uh, but we can move on from Texas A&M now to talk about Creighton, the first game of today that we're going to talk about. Who be, Actually, no, I, I realized that A&M game was today, actually. Creighton beat number 11 Providence 85-58. to They went on a 31-2 run, spanning from the end of the second half to the middle of the first, or sorry, the end of the first half to the middle of the second half, I can't say enough about Creighton because I said they were on the bubble I said I managed I said their uh, I explained their bubble scenario and uh, I said they probably only needed the win at Marquette to secure their bid. well they didn't just do that they went a step further. they are really really secure for the tournament at this point. And then let's move on now to Indiana who beat number 16, Illinois 65 to 63 that obviously coming off the heels of their win over Michigan, where they erased a 60 to 43 deficit to win 74 to 69. But after that win, I thought Indiana was in as long as you know, craziness didn't happen. Although uh, craziness happened, I'm talking about Texas A&M and Oklahoma mainly. Uh, But other than that, they would have been in already. However, this win now over Indiana uh, over Illinois, sorry, firmly firmly puts them in the tournament. Maybe even gets them all the way to a bye. I actually still have to figure that out with my w- within my own predictions, and we'll talk about that in uh, approximately ten minutes. But uh, other than that, you have Michigan State beating number twelve Wisconsin, sixty nine to sixty three. Wisconsin has not won a game in what a week and a half at this point now after that loss to Nebraska and the loss to uh, Michigan State now in the tournament. They're incredibly cold. Their close game magic has worn off. Uh, they went from 15-1 and one in two possession games to 15-3, and three, which is still very good, except for the fact that when they need it the most, they have now lost those games, and honestly, not even against great teams. I mean, Michigan State is a tournament team, easily, but they're only going to be a 7 or an 8 seed. If this is how they play 7 or 8 seeds, and they also lost, in, or coming off a loss to Nebraska at home, uh, good luck playing another eight seed. I mean, they just lost to an eight seed and you expect me to think that they're going to beat, you know, a six seed, a seven seed. I don't honestly know if that's going to happen. I mean, I could even see a team like Memphis coming up and being hot on the first weekend, upsetting whoever they're in front of and then just, or upsetting whoever's in front of them and then beating Wisconsin second weekend, depending on the, I mean, depending on the matchup. You never know who could actually come up and beat Wisconsin, especially with their tendency to stay in close games. I mean, a few plays don't go their way all season. I saw a tweet that said if they if they had a different close game record, they're they're literally Northwestern. I mean, there's barely anything separating them. Uh, and if they were three and fifteen instead of fifteen and three in those games, which obviously is a little bit far reaching, but even if they were eight and eight, you're looking at a team that has thirteen or fourteen losses instead, and that is just not what this team is. Obviously, they have won most of those games, but. You know, some bank shots here, some bank shots there, some fouls here, some fouls there. I think the best thing I can say about Wisconsin is that they're the providence of the Big Ten, and you can take that however way you want it. Uh, I'll move on from that and talk about Virginia Tech, who beat number 25 North Carolina about five minutes ago, 72-59. to 59. I don't think that quite clinches a tournament spot, although it does move North Carolina's seating down a little bit for sure. Uh, but I don't know if that's quite enough for Virginia Tech. It might be based on some other results. Uh, based based on some other results that we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, but... Let's move on, I guess, now to the close game. Sorry I stole your little transition there, but uh, we'll move on to the close games. Number six, Kansas beat number 21, Texas, 70-63 in overtime. Uh, this game also ran about 20 minutes long and ruined the audio for Coach K's uh, introduction at Duke because there was no audio playing because they had it in split screen. Uh, but uh, we'll move on from that um, and talk about number seven, Kentucky, who beat Florida, 71-63, to 63. Florida needed this win otherwise they were going to need a few wins in the SEC tournament as we know and as I already mentioned they lost to Texas A&M they didn't get any wins they needed to probably go at least 2 and 1 in their last 3 or more they went 0 2 so uh goodbye to Florida I guess the end of the season for them it's the end of the road too bad uh see you later I don't really know what to say but uh
0: oh, they'll um, be in the NIT so their season's not over
1: That's true I guess but I don't really consider the NIT to be uh you know, as prestigious as some might. Uh, but I'll move on from that. Uh, number 8, Purdue beat Indiana 69-67. to 67. This was really the start of Indiana, really turning around, honestly, the perception around their whole team. I think for the last few years, they've always been this kind of bubble team that has no capability whatsoever of beating really, really good teams. And this, going on the road and making this game close just proved that, hey, th- they can hang with good teams now. And uh, they they were able to do it. I mean, And by the way, as we know later on, it manifested itself in a win over Michigan and later the win over Illinois that we already talked about. But I guess, I guess, you know, I was thinking about eliminating the close games upsets distinction and just going in order because I've already talked about two of their (laughs) games after the first one, but eh, it's fine, whatever. Uh, But let's move on from that. Number 13, Tennessee beat number 14, Arkansas, 78 to 74. This game was important because the winner of it got the two seed in the SEC. Well, if Tennessee won the game, they got the two seed in the SEC, uh, if Arkansas won, I don't know if they got the three or the, I, I they either got the three or the two, it depends on their tiebreakers with Kentucky, uh, but now you had Tennessee getting the two instead, and uh, it I, I guess it helped Tennessee in terms of their matchup, but mm, who, who really cares? Uh, but Tennessee getting this important win, talked about it with my weekend predictions, moving on from that. Number 17, UCLA beat number 16, USC, 75-68. Talked about that with my weekend prediction, so I won't say much more. Let's move on to LSU, who beat number 25, Alabama, 80-77 in overtime. A really, really good, really, really close game, uh, but LSU pulls it out in the end. There were uh, there was a lot of craziness going on in this game. I really, really can't say much about it. I don't really, honestly, I don't really remember it because it was so long ago, and I'm just thinking about all these upsets today at this point, but uh, it was a crazy game if you wanted to re-watch a good regular season game there's a good game to watch but then you had number 20 Illinois beat number 24 70 number number 24 Iowa 74 to 72 uh, this game came down to free throws Iowa just forgot how to shoot them uh, and that's pretty much the only recap I can give of it I mean if you go back and watch the game you would see what I'm talking about uh, I believe it was Keegan Murray who got fouled at the very very end of the game. And uh, he missed all three free throws after getting fouled on a three down by two. Uh, and that just, it, or sorry, he made one of three down by two when he got fouled on a three and cut the lead to one. But then Illinois was able to make one free throw. He missed the final shot and Illinois won the game. Clinching a share of the
0: Big Ten title.
1: Yes, after Wisconsin's blunder, yes. Uh, but then let's move on to number one, Gonzaga, who beat number 17, St. Mary's, 82-69, to to win at the WCC. Uh, important because Gonzaga pretty much is guaranteed the number one overall seed. I mean, uh, unless... Uh, no, they are. It's pretty simple. <laughs> uh, but I'll move on from that. Uh, Indiana, as I already talked about, beat Michigan 74-69. to Then you had number 20, UConn, beat Seton Hall 62-52. to uh, UConn not really guaranteeing much with that, maybe moving up a little bit in the seeding. Uh, Seton Hall definitely in too, but... You know, maybe knocks them down from an eight to a nine, depending on who you ask. And then number five, Kentucky beat number seventy beat Vanderbilt seventy-seven to seventy-one. Uh, Vanderbilt was on, in the midst of a Cinderella run, but Kentucky able to break that one up a little bit early. Vanderbilt definitely not making the tournament. Uh, sorry, Scottie Pippen Jr. But moving on from that, number seven, Duke beat Miami eighty to seventy-six. Uh, Miami lost this game in such a close margin that I don't really think it affects them at all especially with other stuff that happened around them, but a game that does definitely affect things. Number 14, Texas Tech beat Oklahoma 56-55. to Not only does this affect Oklahoma, because I think if Oklahoma had won this game, they would make the tournament, but with the loss, probably not, and we'll have to get to that. Uh, but Texas Tech now gets an opportunity to get an extra quad one win at Can- against Kansas on a neutral court that would be able to probably guarantee them a two-seed. I don't really think they could be denied from it uh, with that win, but we'll have to see what happens, uh, and I don't know if Texas or if Texas Tech will win that game. I don't know if Kansas will. I cannot tell you, but what I can tell you is March has been crazy already, and the madness is just getting started.
0: Okay, well, now let's take a look at the NCAA tournament bubble as it stands heading into the Friday late-night conference tournament championship games. Let's start with the last four buys.
1: Well, we have North Carolina, Michigan, Indiana, Notre Dame. In the last four in, we have Rutgers, Wake Forest, Xavier, and Oklahoma. In the first four out, we have Virginia Tech, Wyoming, Texas A&M, and SMU. In the next four out, we have BYU, Dayton, Virginia, and Colorado. Although, I will say, that eighth last team, there aren't any teams that are in contention still that are uh, actually in, in the bracket. Maybe I could have put uh, a North Texas there, maybe, uh, but... the. All of these teams are out and have zero chance of getting in at this point because they're all done with their seasons. They're the only teams who are really fighting for spots are Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, SMU, and Dayton, really, uh, and then obviously Indiana, but I think they've already secured their spot. Uh, but in terms of what these teams have left, uh, look, well, you have Indiana who plays Iowa tomorrow in the Big Ten semifinals. That's a huge game. You have A&M who plays Arkansas in the SEC tournament semifinals. Uh, I would say Indiana beats Iowa. They probably move maybe up to a nine seed, honestly. It's possible uh, that they might get there. It really depends. I don't quite know if that's enough to put them over North Carolina uh, and maybe over Miami, I think, who they'd have to replace for that, at least according to me. Um, and I think, though, overall, their their spot is sealed after the win over Illinois. It, it was in doubt but, but looking good after they had beaten Michigan. But that other win over Illinois has really sealed their spot. It's not even a conversation anymore. Uh, In terms of teams who could still fall out of it, uh, well, actually, Wyoming just fell out of it, honestly, right after they lost. If they had won that game that finished about maybe 20 minutes ago at this point uh, against Boise State, then they would still be in this bracket, and they probably would have sealed their spot. But their inability to win that game means that they're falling victim to the teams who made a run at the end of the year, and then they're now behind the teams who lost earlier in their conference tournament, but they were ahead of them to begin with, i.e. Wake Forest and Xavier. Uh, but and, and Rutgers obviously had a better loss. Uh, but then you have Virginia Tech, who I have moving ahead of them, and Oklahoma, who I have moving ahead of them. Oklahoma, just because that one point loss to Texas Tech, honestly, that might even improve their resume. I don't even know if that makes it worse. Uh, and, and already to begin with, I will say I remade my bracket uh, after or no, before yesterday's action, and had Oklahoma then in the first four out uh, at the very bottom of it, or maybe the next four out as the top team there. Uh, But then when I looked at the resumes again, now that the metrics came back in, I also realized that Kansas State, somehow by virtue of a bunch of things going on, had moved up from 77th to 75th overnight in the net, which meant that Oklahoma went from two... Uh, from a two and eleven quad one record, with uh, then their win over Baylor plus Kansas State moving up now made them four and eleven in quad one. They didn't just add one quad one win yesterday, and also that Baylor win a very very high quality uh, quad one win for Oklahoma that they added. And by the way, when you hear the stat about them winning five games against AP top fifteen teams, keep in mind that one of those was against Florida. Who is not even going to make the tournament at this point? They'll make the NIT, but th- don't don't pay attention to the AP ranked wins at the time of the time that the game was played. That would mean that Arizona beat a top five team in the second game of the season by beating Michigan. No offense to Michigan, but they're not top five. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, let's not call Iowa State top fifteen. Let's not call Florida top fifteen. Uh, frankly. Texas Tech is, Texas Tech is barely in the top 15. Arkansas is literally 15th in the rankings, which is kind of funny. Uh, But so, you know, Texas Tech and Arkansas are are 14th and 15th in the rankings. And that's, those are the teams who are their five AP top 15 wins. And they also just lost to Texas Tech. Uh, So overall, Oklahoma made a strong surge at the end of the season to get four wins in a row, including that win over Baylor, to make their record just good enough that, you know, I think Michigan State's the only team to ever make the tournament. That being last year. No, uh, no, not Michigan State. There was another team who made the tournament. Or no, no team has ever made the tournament with a two with only two games above 500 as their overall record. And probably the worst overall record was Michigan State at 15 and 12, I think, uh, which was last year. But the thing that Michigan State did at the end of the year was they had a rough start to the year, but they had a few decent wins non conference, and they built up some wins right at the end of the year in a very similar fashion to what Michigan did at the end of the year this year, and ended up with splits against pretty much every top seed in the Big Ten. And that was just enough to keep them into the tournament. It did not keep them out of, out of the play games. Uh, but overall, I think some people might think that Oklahoma is out after that loss. I, I, I honestly think that they still are in. Uh, and I think, I was honestly thinking going into the day that they were out, But when you look at Wyoming's resume and you look at the metrics, Oklahoma actually is a team that checks out very well with the computers. The computers like them. Uh, Their overall on-paper resume, I think, is slightly better than a team like Wyoming's. Uh, And then it's also a little bit better than a team like Virginia Tech's. That is for now. And also Texas A&M, same situation. Because if you talk about about Texas A&M adding another win over Arkansas, all of a sudden A&M not only has the same amount of quad one wins, as as uh, Oklahoma, they also have a better record overall than Oklahoma does. And SEC looks better overall. And then all of a sudden, now you're talking about A&M in over Oklahoma and all of this doesn't matter. A&M, or sorry, Oklahoma should root for two things. They need, sorry, they should root for three things. They need Davidson to win the A-10. They need Virginia Tech to lose to Duke. And they need Texas A&M to lose to Arkansas tomorrow. Because otherwise, this spot will vanish very, 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 very quickly. The resume I don't think is quite good enough to make it over a team like Wake Forest. It might be good enough, honestly, to go ahead of Xavier. I had a very hard time ranking those two teams against each other. But if you're talking about Oklahoma as having a better resume than Xavier, at this point so does Virginia Tech, and that's just a Xavier problem. Uh, But so, and by the way, maybe even Wyoming would too. Uh, So overall, Oklahoma's really kind of the swing team. I think they're probably in now, but... It depends on what happens with Virginia Tech and A&M. And by the way, if SMU was able to pull off an upset, beat Memphis, and then beat Houston or something like that, obviously that would, A, win them the finals. But even if they were just to beat Houston, I don't actually know who they play, and I should probably check that. Uh, But if they play, they do play Memphis tomorrow, actually. I do know that now, now that I think about it. Uh, But if they beat Memphis tomorrow, now all of a sudden you're looking at even SMU having a chance of passing up Oklahoma with getting another quality win uh, because SMU only has two quad one wins all year, but adding a third and being three and one in, that, in quad one would be pretty helpful. And also, the other thing is, you talk about the resume, you talk about how they look in the net, and Ken Palm, et cetera, et cetera. These wins aren't just good to say, now we're four and nine in quad one instead of three and nine. They also help your metrics for things that are run by computers and simulations like Ken Palm and like Strength of Record. They help your Strength of Schedule because you're playing better teams and you're playing them late in the year. All of this actually matters more than just the, the the to the eye, I guess I can say, resume from just looking at what's the record against each of the quadrants, it, it really does help. Ken Palm will reward you a lot if you're able to, I don't know, beat Purdue. You know, those types of things really do help your resume. So overall, it, it, when you're out of the tournament, you definitely, out of your conference tournament, you have a much worse chance of making it than the teams who are still in it, even if they lose some of their games because their metrics can still improve. I think, honestly... I don't know exactly how all of these things work, but if Virginia Tech were to lose by one to Duke, I don't think they would move down in anything. I think they might even move up. Uh, And overall, I think the same thing with Texas A&M, with Arkansas. Uh, So if you're talking about razor-thin margins, which you are when you're talking about who's in and who's out of the tournament, it really could revolve around anything. And then also I wanted to say, when you look at the A-10, you have an opportunity for a bid-stealer here where one of these teams is going to really start sweating and even teams like Michigan and Indiana who think they're safe will start to sweat maybe even making being in a play-in game or even, even missing the tournament potentially if you have, maybe not even a Dayton, but if you have the tournament committee, because let's also talk about this for a second, what people don't realize. Dayton's resume is really only tainted by the fact that they have three losses in a row and they started the season one and three. If they if you kept those 3 losses off their season, off their season record, you scrape away 3 quad four losses and you also make their overall record better by 3 games. Overall, that makes a huge difference and you have to wonder is does the committee care or do they not care? They say they weigh the games evenly from from November to March, but the reality is recency bias is a thing. I mean, it's not like if Dayton makes a run all the way to the final, that that won't be in their heads when they're picking the teams. Uh, but overall, if they really if they really are willing to see that as kind of like a COVID, kind of like a team coming off of COVID where they just had a bad week, if they see it that way, then all of a sudden Dayton's going to be up here in that bracket. I don't see it that way. I try to keep it even. I just look at their resume by saying, what are what are the overall records? What are the quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four records? What do the computers say about these teams without actually looking at when they got their losses? Then I look into it afterwards and then you realize Dayton has a much better case than it seems like on paper because of the fact that those three losses were so early in the year, but they also right off of those three losses picked up a win, uh, win over Kansas and I think actually went over Alabama too. So overall... Dayton has the weirdest resume, I think. You think Rutgers' loss to Lafayette is bad. Check Dayton's losses. Uh, but it's a very, very hard resume to judge. Uh, and I would say, I I I'm maybe maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical having Rutgers in the last four in and Dayton out of the tournament when I'm pretty much ignoring Rutgers' bad losses. But I would actually say, if I wasn't ignoring Rutgers' bad losses, I would have the, or sorry, if I was ignoring Rutgers' bad losses, they'd probably be in the last four buys or even ahead of that but because of them, that's the thing holding them in the last four-in territory. But I'm going to stop blabbering about that. L- let's just talk about this. Do you think that any of those teams are actually capable of winning those games tomorrow, be it Virginia Tech over uh, Duke? Do you think—and by the way, doesn't even matter now that I think about it. It doesn't matter if they win the game because it's not even a conversation of if they're in. They will take an auto-bid there. Uh, and that will knock, in my opinion, Oklahoma out, obviously, because I have them as the last team in. Do you think Texas A&M has a chance against Arkansas, and uh, do you think Dayton has a chance to make it all the way to the A10 final and maybe lose to Davidson, where they could still have a conversation for a bid? And also, do you think SMU can keep a game close against Houston after beating Memphis?
0: I think SMU has the biggest chance to make a run to, to do what they need to do out of all those teams. Ironically, hmm. um, I don't think Virginia Tech's beating Duke. I think after Coach K got embarrassed on his farewell uh, at the end of his farewell tour at home against North Carolina his team's going to get him the tournament championship. So I don't think that's happening. I think Dayton has too much to overcome.
1: I, I think I I think I agree with you, I will say, uh, before you get to Texas A&M a little bit. But I, I will say I definitely agree on that Coach K point, but I'll let you get back to what you were going to say.
0: No, and, and uh, I think SMU, out of all the teams that has, I guess, the, the chance to win the two games necessary uh, to win the, to, to win that championship, I think that they – I just – I don't – for some reason I just – think memphis might lose a game might actually be good for them to lose a game um, Yeah, they're a little too hot going exactly into the tournament. sometimes that's when the teams flame out you're going to lose a game eventually um and i think that you know maybe they they are the hungrier team uh than than than, uh, than houston so uh, strangely enough i think smu has a chance
1: well fun fact i will tell you uh one of the reasons why i picked lsu to beat arkansas today was because i believe firmly in the can't beat a team three times in the year philosophy. And SMU has already swept the season series with Memphis. So it will actually be Memphis trying to beat SMU okay. for the first time this season. Uh, and I think, honestly, I think Arkansas has beaten AM twice. If they haven't, they didn't play them twice. And uh, I know that Duke has not played Virginia Tech twice. Uh, but they Duke was also not... I will say the one thing that's going against Duke is... I think they've been better against the teams, ironically enough... The teams that upset them on the road when Duke lost in Cameron, I think they played better against those teams later on because they're really, really taking them seriously after they had come into their building and beaten them. Uh, Virginia Tech's not one of those teams, so maybe Duke might slip up a little bit. Maybe they don't care enough. I I don't know. It's one of those situations where it could happen. It might not happen. I think overall, I'm leaning your way, except for I actually think that Texas A&M has the best chance of all these teams to do what they need to do because I don't think they need to win both games. I just think they need to beat Arkansas because a loss to Kentucky after you beat after you beat Arkansas and and Auburn. I mean, does the committee really care that much? I mean, the, the thing is, A and M was a team that at the beginning of the year they were like fifteen and two and they had this great record, but they hadn't played anybody and then they lost six, six or seven games in a row in the SEC in the gauntlet that I, I should say that is the SEC. And then everybody kind of realized, okay, well, they can't beat the good teams, so let's just leave them alone. They're not a tournament team. It's pretty simple. Then they started picking up wins. They started pulling off upsets. All of a sudden, now you have them here beating Auburn in the SEC tournament, and now there's some interest around them again. Maybe they're hot enough to go uh, go and beat Arkansas and just prove that that six-game stretch was just a bad stretch, and the rest of it, the A&M that started 15-2, and the AM that ended in the SEC final is is the real AM team. If that's the case, they will be in. But I will say, I don't know if the committee's gonna look at it that way. Um, and overall, that 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 streak I thought had ended AM season. They've done just about everything they can short of winning that auto bid to get in. I really think that Virginia Tech, if you look game by game, I think Duke is gonna beat Virginia Tech. I agree with you on that. I think Memphis is gonna be able to beat SMU just because. I don't like it when you have to play a team three times and you've already beaten them twice, especially when that team is worlds better than you because Memphis is way more talented than SMU, and somehow SMU has won the first two games. I feel like Memphis is... If you need something to energize you, other than the fact that you're, what, 11-1 in your last 12 games at this point... And by the way, the one loss was to SMU. If you need anything else to energize you, how about telling you, how about telling you, hey, this is the team that swept you in the season series. Go out and beat them. Go out and beat Houston the next game. And let's get ourselves an auto bid. Let's get ourselves probably all the way up to the maybe seven or eight line uh, if they were able to do that. I think Memphis is going to have enough motivation to beat SMU. And then I think Dayton, there's just not enough in that conference. I just think that maybe the only situation that could happen is that they could pull out a win against Davidson. Because by the way, that is what they did at the end of the season. If Dayton beats Davidson, the A-10 probably turns into a two-bid league. I don't really see Davidson falling out of the tournament with the loss to Dayton uh, in the finals of the A-10. That would be an interesting situation because that would knock another team out with a bid stealer situation without Dayton even getting in uh, because of that resume. They would just get in because of that auto bid. That would be a very, very interesting situation, but we'll figure out in the next two days because, uh, well, the action continues tomorrow and then obviously on Sunday as we head to the end of the season, uh, but that is what I have on the bubble, and honestly, I think I have this right, but I will say, by the time my bracket comes out tomorrow night, it will be vastly different because I I, I need to see what the net, what Ken Palm, what Sagarin, what strength of record and BPI says about what happened today and how they're affected by these results to really gauge where they are, because I'm just adding in my head, okay, this team guy added a quad one loss, this team added a quad one win, it's this quality of a win. But I don't know how the computers actually say it matches up, and all of a sudden, if you got a team, I think there were a few metrics where, you know, in Ken Palm, a team, one team was 50th, one team was 51st, if that flips around, and now you have one team 46th, and the other team 52nd or something, now you're looking at a much different scenario. But, uh, so, I'll change it tomorrow by the time that, those metrics actually come out, and then we'll really see how these teams shake out. But this is my best estimate as of now, and also adjusting for the fact that uh, if you've been to a Final Four, I trust you. Porter Moser said is a tournament team, so I have to agree with him.
0: Okay, well, that will end our uh, in-depth look at NCAA college basketball action and this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, March 14th, where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions. Have our weekly deep dive into the NBA, and since the NCAA tournament bracket will be revealed the day before, we will analyze that bracket and take a look at some possible NCAA tournament title contenders. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his weekend predictions that were posted Thursday, and an updated NCAA basketball tournament bracket, which will be posted on Saturday. And my
1: final bracket right before the selection committee comes out with theirs, too.
0: Correct, and we can see how accurate your predictions were. Uh, all of that on our website 4th and 24.com that's the number 4 T H A N D the number 24.com thank you for Brilliant. listening